0: Middle of our well, probably at the pointy end of our one another series, and as I said earlier, we've got Sherilyn speaking to us this morning on "Do not grumble." Well, I won't. I won't. Don't grumble or complain. Um, So yeah, she picked a good one. Um, So give Sherilyn a big round of applause. Did you want that mic, or do you handheld? So I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you for Sherilyn. I thank you for. Um, who she is. I thank you for her journey with you, God. I pray that you would bless her as she shares with us, God. And we just continue to ask for your Holy Spirit-empowered um, presence as we lean into the, um, the commandments of one another in Scripture. That as we pray this morning, that none of it can be achieved by us just being better or, or trying harder. That, that we need you to live out the one another's that we see in Scripture. So I pray that this morning would be no exception, that as we are confronted or challenged or even sort of like having our mail read a little bit um, by Scripture and by Sherilyn's words this morning, that none of us would fall into the trap of thinking our way out is just being better and trying harder. That for all of us, we would put our hope and our trust and our dependence on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. One anothering. I like that. don't know if it's a word, but I think we're going to adopt it. one anothering. And um, don't you guys worry about having your mail read. (laughs) I was trying to figure out how I could preach this morning without letting you read my mail. (laughs) Oh uh, gosh, have you ever noticed that um, once something's been brought to your attention, you notice it all the more, like like maybe that that buzzing or dripping or ticking clock that was just there in the background, but as soon as someone points it out, then you can't unhear it, it's like the only thing that you can hear after that point. Yeah, it's been a little bit like that over these last few weeks as I've started to think about this topic of complaining. I have become acutely aware of how much complaining goes on in our home and of how, much, uh, how easily complaints find their way to my own lips. So, um, <clears throat> in fact, it was a couple of weeks ago... beautiful Sunday, Saturday afternoon, and we went out for this fishing trip. Honestly, it was epic day, quality family time on the boat. Like, it was the recipe for harmony with one another, right? Yeah, except it just really wasn't a lovely family fishing trip that afternoon. Um, For starters, the fish weren't biting, but I was. Um... (laughs) along with a certain child who shall remain nameless. Uh, and all I could think of was, oh my gosh, in three weeks' time, I am going to be speaking on do not complain. Like, what the heck? Uh, and and just for a little bit of further context, um, my final preparations yesterday were done uh, to the backdrop of, hmm, complaints about how restrictive I am as a mother, um, how one sibling was being the cracker police, and how another family member is always getting laughed at twenty four seven, and that was just a ten minute window. So, so let's pray again. I know Lyndon's already prayed, but I need to pray because I am convinced that God has a message for us today, even though, and maybe especially because. This messenger is still learning these lessons. So God, this morning, we just ask again that your presence would be at home with us here. That you would speak to us, challenge us, convict us even, and lead us even deeper into your love, which is ultimately the driving force behind all of these one another's. And I pray this, in the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. I've actually got no authority to be up here this morning, except for the authority of Jesus Christ. So, you know, you might think that um, given, you know, my confession (laughs) of my own shortcoming in this area, that I'll go easy this morning, that, um, you know, I'll offer a few excuses. I'll try and make this all a little bit more palatable for us all. And, and I really wish I could for my own sake as as much as everybody else's. But this whole thing of how we speak to and about each other isn't something that the Bible brushes over lightly. So here goes. We're diving in. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 just goes straight at it. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Straight up. Complaining and arguing are not dispositions that fit with being a follower of Jesus. Sheesh. James chapter 5, verse 9, goes on to add a consequence. It says, Don't grumble against one another, or another translation says, Don't complain about one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. It gets better. And Matthew chapter 7, verse 2 warns, for in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. You know, how many know how easy it is to hold these high ideals for others while failing to match up to those same high ideals ourselves? Just this week, there was a particular process at work that I hadn't followed and I was really embarrassed to remember that it's not that long ago that someone had skirted around the edges of that same process and my response had been like what What were they thinking you know and there I was doing exactly the same thing so the standards that we hold others to is the same standard by which we'll be judged this is this is worth paying attention to. James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 brings it home. It says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law, and there's only one lawgiver and judge. But you, who are you to judge your neighbour? So there you have it. Do not grumble, complain, complain. Or slander one another. It's hearty stuff this morning. I thought it might be helpful to start off with a few definitions. Because sometimes these words, you know, we're familiar with. But it's like, what are we actually talking about here? So to grumble is to murmur or mutter in discontent. It's that you know. Like think of a grumbling tummy. That was sort of how, how I, it's that, that underlying low dissatisfaction, right? The grumble. All right, complaining comes straight out with it. To complain is to express dissatisfaction or, an, or annoyance about something. So there's no more muttering under the breath. No, I'm just going to say it how it is. That's complaining, right? And then slander makes false and damaging statements about someone, which seems kind of next level. You know, like that, there's, there's complaining and then there's slander, like deliberately saying false things and damaging somebody, but it's where we can easily get to if the first two go unchecked. So take family again as an example. Those of you that have ever been in a home where kids live, I'm sure can imagine the progression, right? So it goes from the mutter to themselves about something that's irritating and somebody else in the family, that's the grumble, right? To the initial complaint. Let's go with, it's not fair. And from there, we go to the false accusation or the slander, which could sound something like, you always say that, or you never let me do anything, which of course is simply not true. <laughs> You know, complaining kids, they make for an easy example, (laughs) but we all know, don't we, that adults can be pretty good complainers too. So, just so that I don't have to, you know, let you read all my mail, I thought we'd go with the good old Israelites as an example. Right, so God, just like we were singing in the song this morning, God has delivered them, right, out of Egypt. He's stepped into their slavery. He's delivered them out of, um, you know, a situation of true oppression that they've been in for years. He's miraculously opened up a pathway through the water, and he's effectively dealt with all their enemies. He's provided supernatural food in the middle of the desert. But in Numbers chapter 11, it tells us they complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. Now, it would be fair to pause there and go, okay, but if they're complaining about their hardships, like, does that really count in the context of our one another's? Because, I mean, you know, haven't we all complained about the weather this year? Like, is that what we're talking about here? But here's the thing with us humans, generally speaking – We look for someone to blame. So our complaining about hardships and circumstances can pretty quickly turn into complaining about whoever we perceive to have caused those hardships. That annoying family member, your incompetent colleague, your teacher or boss, the government, that's a goodie, especially at this time of year. So... When a certain child yesterday was asked to empty the dishwasher in our house and the reply came back, oh, I hate doing that when it's only just finished because everything's still soaking wet. To which I replied, that's why we have tea towels. And the responding response was, tea towels suck. Was not actually a complaint about tea towels, right? It was a complaint about the person that had asked that nameless child, to do the dishes, okay, so you get it, which is why in Exodus chapter 17, we see the Israelites' complaint is with Moses, so they're not just complaining about hardships anymore, verse 3 says, they grumbled against Moses, saying, why did you bring us up out of Egypt just to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst, oh, the drama, okay, but it's so familiar, right? So their circumstances are the trigger, but Moses becomes the target. Worse still, sometimes the target of our complaints becomes God himself. And in Numbers 14 verse 27, it's God who says, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? Because These kind of grumbling complaints either directly or indirectly declare that God is not sufficiently good or faithful or loving or wise or powerful or competent. Otherwise, he'd treat us better and he'd run the universe more effectively. This kind of faithless complaining accuses God of doing wrong. And in these verses about the Israelites, you know, we see them make two classic mistakes. They complained in the hearing of God instead of in the company of God. And they grumbled against God instead of bringing their complaints to God. So it's all about the who and the how. Those verses I read at the beginning that don't grumble against, don't complain about, don't speak against one another ones. They're actually about taking care of the who and the how. So let's start with the who. Taking our complaints to the right place is key. A number of years ago, a friend of mine was um, relaying a conversation that she'd had uh, with somebody who was complaining about their pastor and how he'd offended them. And my wise friend said to this person, oh, and what did the pastor say when you told him that? (laughs) You can probably guess the end of that conversation, uh, the end of that story, because there hadn't been a conversation with the pastor. And my friend was able to gently remind that person that she was not the right audience for that complaint. Matthew 18, verse 15 to 20 outlines Jesus' instructions on how to respond when someone sinned against you when you have a legitimate complaint against someone. See, this teaching is not a call to be a doormat or to live in denial or to just pretend everything's fine, everything's fine, when really everything's not. But it is a call to look after the who and the how. (laughs) And just a little side note on the going to someone with an offence thing, um, before Lyndon gets inundated with calls to meet up this week. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but I heard something years ago that has been really helpful to me on my journey, and it's this. If you're going to get offended about something, make sure it's something that offends God. If you're going to get offended about something, make sure it's something that offends God. And that simple thought has stopped me in my track many times over. Often the very best who that we can take our complaints to is to God. The Psalms of Lament weren't included in the Bible by accident. Um, They're a gift. They're a model for both the who and the how. They're honest. They don't pretend everything's fine. Psalm 142 verse 1, for example, says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him I tell all my trouble. See, when we've got serious complaining to do, we better get serious with the who. These Psalms of lament are also a great lesson in how to complain. For starters, don't just complain in God's hearing, you know? Get into his company and don't grumble against him because he's on your team. God is never the enemy. God is your most powerful advocate and champion. And if you don't believe that, go to him with that. God is your most powerful advocate and champion. You may have heard the story of George Mueller. He was was this... English guy back in the 1800s who cared for over 10,000 orphans in his lifetime, started loads of schools and did all all sorts of cool stuff, but he determined that he was not going to talk to anybody except God about what was needed for the kids in his care. So he wasn't going to tell anybody, he wasn't going to go looking for donations or anything, he was only going to tell God what they needed, okay, pretty, pretty massive massive commitment. Now, if we're taking a leaf out, oh sorry, the, the story goes that one morning there was absolutely no food for breakfast. Now, I'm not sure how many kids were in the orphanage at the time, but if he's, if he's dealing with over 10,000 kids in his lifetime, I'm guessing there's at least 100, right? 100, 100 hungry kids and absolutely no food for their breakfast. Now, if we were taking a leaf out of the Israelites book, then the story might have sounded something like this. Mm, mutter mutter you know what a nightmare that's the grumbling part right and then it might have gone on to blooming Mary in the kitchen she didn't ration the supplies out well enough and now we've run out you know the complaining against a person and then it might have gone on to what was God thinking he's given me all these kids to look after and there's not even any food what does he expect me to do the grumbling against God part right but Not George Mueller. This is a different story that I'm telling this morning. So he just took the problem to God. He set the table like usual. He called all the kids to breakfast just like usual. And he gave thanks just like usual, thanking God for the food that he was going to provide for them to eat. And as he's praying, there's a knock at the door. and it's the local baker who's been woken up super early in the morning and can't get back to sleep because he's convinced that God is telling him he's got to get up and bake bread for Mueller. So he shows up at the door with freshly baked bread. Almost immediately, there's a second knock on the door, and it's the milkman whose cart has broken down outside the orphanage. And so he offers milk to complete their meal. Like, how brilliant is that? that I mean, that's, just, that's my favorite of his stories. But, you know, George Mueller didn't waste energy on complaining. He just took his need to the right place. And God wants us to bring our complaints, our frustrations, our needs to him as our advocate, as our good, good father that's the how. Okay, but can we get practical, like real practical, just for a minute, and land these kind of, you know, big ideas in a little snippet of our everyday? Because I'm not suggesting that if this week you go to a cafe, you order a coffee, and it comes out lukewarm, that you sit at the table, and you just pray about your desire for a hot coffee, right? That's not I don't think where we're going with this. Okay, so how does the Bible's invitation to look after the who and the how play out in something as simple as this little scenario? James chapter 5, verse 9 says, Don't complain about one another. So, first thing is, your problem is not the person that just delivered your coffee to your table or even the person that made your coffee. Your problem is that you like to drink your coffee hot. And your coffee is not hot. So just communicate that. It doesn't call for muttering about the quality of the service these days. Or being rude to the staff. Or even making big statements that aren't necessarily true. Like I won't be coming back or whatever. But presenting your complaint respectfully, taking care of the who and the how, often leads to a positive outcome. A hot coffee, for instance. In fact, complaining in the right way can be a catalyst for positive change in matters of far greater importance than the temperature of our coffee, let's face it. So Proverbs 31, verse 8 to 9 says, Speak up for those who have no voice, for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Speak up. Judge righteously and defend the cause of the oppressed and needy. Can I ask you, what do you think speaking up for the needy is going to sound like? I mean, even just talking about it, doesn't that just stir you a little? We're not talking necessarily polite conversation here. When complaining is not the end goal, but we seek solutions, especially solutions that speak to God's heart for people, then God says, don't you dare stay silent. Use your position. Use your voice. Complain in the right way and speak up. Okay, those are the right ways to complain. But don't we all know that there is a whole bunch of complaining that rolls off our tongues that has nothing to do with seeking solutions or positive outcomes for the needy (laughs) and everything to do with that sibling who is so annoying or that child who is so ungrateful or that boss who's so angry or that workmate who's so self-absorbed Or that teammate who doesn't pull their weight. Or the teacher who's so mean. Or the neighbor who's just weird. Or the spouse that really doesn't get it. I don't know. The list goes on and on and on. And God says, just don't do that. I've got a better way. Let me teach you my language. So, Think of this next little section as God's workshop on words. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is pretty well known as the love chapter, right? And by way of introducing it, Paul says in chapter 12 verse 31, And now I will show you the most excellent way, or a far better way. That's his introduction to then going on to speak about love. See, love is the language of the kingdom. It's the language that, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, God invites us to become fluent in. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 to 32 spells it out for us. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Did you hear all those one anothers at the end? Because allowing ourselves to sit in God's workshop on words, to learn the language of his kingdom, is pivotal. In living with one another as he intends. Those verses are pretty, pretty challenging. The New Living Translation says Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. The passion translation says and never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others do this by speaking words of grace to help them and the message says each word a gift now if my tendencies are anything to go by then there can be this temptation to think in extremes right to we can look at the first bit of that verse and think to ourselves, oh yeah, I'm doing all right. Unwholesome talk, foul and abusive language, ugly or hateful words. Like as long as I'm not right up there at that extreme all the time, you know, then I can kind of settle for what I'm not doing, right? As long as I save my abusive language and yelling, for the TV screen, the All Blacks, or the Warriors, as the case may be. It was a bad day for New Zealand sport yesterday. But, you know, as long as I save that stuff for then, and I don't actually talk to anybody in person like that, and as long as, well, as long as, you know, my hateful kind of language is, is the exception and not my norm, like, I'm doing all right, aren't I? But God is stirring us to not simply swing off that extreme and settle for not doing. He's setting the bar real high and saying, how about going after making each word a gift? How could that thought alone change our language this week? I brought along a little box just as, a, as an illustration. Because, how would it be if we could just pause before speaking and imagine our words gift wrapped? Okay, another confession. When I typed that up, I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, the fight in me went, oh, gift wrap you some words, all right. I'll wait till I see what I've got boxed up for you, buddy. All right, that's not what I'm talking about, all right. Sheesh, man. What could it look like, though, if we just paused and went, what would it be like to receive these words as a gift? What if we genuinely thought about what it would be like to be on the receiving end and we were able to offer our words in such a way that they become beautiful gifts that encourage others? sounds amazing, sounds like a very high bar, and so I thought we needed to finish with some practical how-tos, because I really, um, really, really get the sense that it's very easy to to go to that place, of oh, like, shall I just give up now, because I don't meet that standard, you know? Actually, if I'm honest, sometimes I'm not even in the middle. I'm kind of swinging more this way, and and there's there's this this thing in our human nature that that tells us to just do better, right? And that's not at all my heart this morning. So I thought we'd finish with some some practical how-to's. Number one is get under the influence. You might be looking at me like I'm real dodgy right now, but I'm talking about the influence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, actually, we can't do this without him. Get under the influence, and prayer is a great way to remind ourselves about the who and the how, taking care of the who and the how in our complaints. Number two is compassionate curiosity. Hmm... That was a phrase that I heard recently courtesy of Michelle Diprose and I still think I'm too challenged by it to love it just yet but here's the thought. We can't be judgmental and curious at the same time. So what would it look like to approach that person that I am feeling irritated with that I have a complaint against with compassionate curiosity? I think actually that Maz gave us a great example of that last week when he talked about, um, right at the end, I wrote it down because it's brilliant, um, talking to his kids and saying, help me to understand. Okay, he gave the example like, help me to understand why you spoke to your mum that way. Instead of just going at them about respecting their mother, like help me to understand. That's compassionate curiosity. And maybe much of the energy that we spend in complaining would be better spent in compassionate curiosity. So I'm just going to leave that one there for you guys to mull over like I've been mulling it over since you said it to me. Thanks, Shell. Number three, cultivate thankfulness. A complaining spirit is opposite to a thankful spirit. Elizabeth Elliot says... It's always possible to be thankful for what is given rather than to complain about what is not. One or the other becomes a habit of life. Another one of my favourite quotes from Anne Voskamp is, busy is a choice, stress is a choice, joy is a choice, choose well. We could say that this morning. We could say, complaining is a choice. Thankfulness is a choice. Choose well, because one or other will become the habit of our life. And just a a real quick aside: that thankful, genuine thankfulness. It's not a um. It's not a look around. Like I'm not a big believer in that thing of there's always someone worse off than you. Like. Is that the level of our thankfulness? You know? It's it's not a look around and find the person that is more down and out than you so that you can feel better about your life. That's not what we're talking about. Like genuine thankfulness says there is always something in every day. There is gifts that God has for me in every season of my life, no matter how damn hard that season might be. So thankfulness, cultivate thankfulness. And number four is speak blessing. You know, like if we're going to get rid of a bad habit, we've got to replace it with something good, right? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, Don't replay evil for evil. We could add in complaint with complaint. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Get this, this is what God has called you to do and he will grant you his blessing. So can I recommend this this little book on the awesome power of blessing? It's my kind of book, you know, little and easy to get through. But um, it says, Blessing is speaking God's intention or favour over someone or some situation. Sounds like a pretty good Antidote to complaining about one another, don't you reckon? So, like I said before, I I didn't come this morning with this finger wagging lecture to just be better, because it would be going like this just be better, complain less, right? That's not what this is about. God is saying there's a better way. The language of his kingdom is a language of love. Compassionate curiosity, thankfulness, blessing, and positive shift. This is an invitation to recognize the beauty of God's kingdom language and allow him to lead you into his better way. My heart for this morning is so much more than a cool little pet talk and a workshop on words, like I'm believing that God's spirit is at work here this morning, that he is speaking, challenging, convicting, but ultimately inviting us into more of his love. We just finished with four how-tos, and I believe that there's four invitations here this morning as well. The first is, for those of you who have grounds for grumbling, because there are things in your life, in your world, that aren't as they should be. Maybe it's a health challenge or a negative dynamic in your family. Maybe it's a school or a workplace challenge. Or Maybe the issue is internal. Your own thoughts are the battlefield. And maybe you've been complaining in all the wrong places you doubtful that God cares or even sees. Maybe he's the one that you're feeling grumpy with right now. And you've been perceiving him as the enemy. But see, here's the thing about your real enemy. Satan is the ultimate slanderer, right? He has been doing his best to cast doubt on God's love for you since the beginning right back in the garden. Did God really say? And this morning's invitation is to take care of the who and the how, to bring your complaint, your legitimate needs and concerns, but to bring them into the very presence of God and to let him smash down those lies of the enemy. If that's you, then let's complain in the company of God this morning bringing our griefs and our requests right to Him. The second invitation is for those of us who haven't been complaining at all, and we need to. If you've been keeping silent when God's prompting you to speak up, to go after solutions, to stir up positive change, to bring justice for those who are oppressed, this is your time to respond Speak out a courageous yes to God this morning and let him start to use your voice in all the right places. Thirdly, if you know it's actually just time to turn away from complaining and to become more fluent in the language of the kingdom, the language of thanksgiving and blessing. If you need to put a marker in the ground this morning because the language of complaining has become too familiar on your tongue and God is stirring you to repentance and inviting you into his better way. And then I feel this morning that the last invitation is for those who need someone to speak a blessing over you today. Because you've been on the receiving end of complaining against one another. And the complaints, maybe even the slander against you, has beaten you down. If that's you, then you're in the right place this morning. God promises in Psalm 25 that those whose hope is in him will not be put to shame. So allow us to stand with you and bless you. So, here's how we're going to do this. Um, the worship team is going to come and join me. And as they do, if you feel yourself responding to any of those four invitations this morning, I'll just go through them again in a minute. But I'm going to get you just to stand where you are. And all around the room this morning, we're, we're going to pray for each other. Okay? We all get in on this. So. If you are responding to one of those four things and you want somebody to stand with you this morning and pray with you this morning, then awesome. In a minute, I'm going to get you to stand where you are. And those of you that feel like maybe you have a blessing for somebody, a word of encouragement or just simply a prayer, then um, that's how we're going to conclude our time together this morning. if you're not involved in either of those things and you want to sing along to the song, that's great, and um, at the end of that time, then we'll we'll move into um, morning tea. I'm not going to draw us back together because I don't want to cut in on anything that the spirit might be might be doing. But um yeah, if God is prompting you this morning, if there are things in your life that are not as they should be and you want to bring those complaints into the presence of God, then I just invite you to stand. If God's prompting you to speak up and to use your voice where you've been tempted to remain silent, if this morning it's time to turn away from complaining and become a speaker of thanksgiving and blessing, I invite you to stand. Or if you need to receive God's blessing on you today we would love to be able to meet with you and stand with you in that and if there are those around you who um, who you feel prompted to, to pray for or offer a yeah whatever God gives you then um, I'd love for this just to be a time where, where that could happen so Father God we thank you this morning for your presence we thank you for your truth, we thank you for your compassion, would you hear and meet the needs of your people this morning.